Hey there, it's me, Alex Schmidt. I make this podcast secretly incredibly fascinating, researching and editing and taping and all the parts of it. This is an independent little podcast, so I'm very excited about the independent little company, Libro.fm, because they let you buy audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. So if you go to their website, Libro.fm, that's a .fm domain name, you go there, you pick your store from their list of more than 1,300 affiliates, and then you can shop for audiobooks with community-focused confidence. You can know that some of that money is coming back to your town, back to your favorite indie bookstore. You can also do that in a way that helps this podcast, if you would be so kind. The code to do that is SIFPOD, S-I-F-P-O-D. If you enter that at checkout, you get two audiobook credits for the price of one. Those credits never expire, and they can go toward any of more than 150,000 audiobooks in the Libro.fm catalog. So I'm glad we can offer that as a deal and an affiliate thing with Libro.fm. Also, patrons of SIFPod, people supporting it on Patreon, do not hear messages like this. If you'd like a sponsor-free experience of this podcast, go to sifpod.fun. You'll get that, you'll get bonus shows, and you'll get so much more. Either way, thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Tires, known for going around wheels. Famous for going flat, sometimes. Nobody thinks much about them, so let's have some fun. Let's find out why tires are secretly incredibly fascinating. Hey there, folks. Welcome to a whole new podcast episode, a podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm not alone. I'm joined by two fantastic comedy writers and comedians and podcasters and so much more. Caitlin Durante and Jamie Loftus are my guests, and you probably know why that's exciting, because they're great. They're the co-hosts and creators of The Bechdel Cast. That's a podcast on iHeartRadio that breaks down movies and has fun with movies and explores whether they do or do not, you, you know, advance the patriarchy. Because uh, the patriarchy, I don't know, I think we can move past it. They also do so much more from there, even with the pandemic limiting stand-up in many ways. Caitlin does screenwriting classes. Both of them do amazing podcast miniseries. Jamie has a new one coming up soon. The show links are your friend to find those. Also, I've gathered all of our zip codes and used internet resources like native-land.ca to acknowledge that I recorded this on the traditional land of the Catawba, Eno, and Shikori peoples. Acknowledge Caitlin and Jamie each recorded this on the traditional land of the Gabrielino or Tongva and Keech and Chumash peoples. And acknowledge that in all of our locations, native people are very much still here. That feels worth doing on each episode. And today's episode is about tires. A feature of almost all modern wheels, a thing that many of you have changed when flat, FYI, this podcast is not a tutorial for that. If if that's where you turned uh, by the side of the road, go to YouTube. That's your friend. Anyway, I'm thrilled about this episode because it's really, really good. Also because me and Caitlin have a surprising connection on part of the material that I don't think has ever happened before on the show. That's very exciting. Also, this episode helped me remember the awesomeness of Canada which is a thing I've been thinking about because I have been writing the cards for donors who backed the mini membership drive for the show last month. 
And I know I'm an American. I also try to keep this show as international as possible. And sending cards to the listeners who step up and back this show and make the entire thing possible, uh, and also get a bunch of benefits like bonus shows and stuff, but sending cards to those people, it helped me remember how many of those backers are Canadian. Like, I think per capita, there might be more Canadian listeners than American. And thank you so much. Well, you are I already thought you were an amazing country. You didn't need to convince me, but but keep it up. Great job. Also, I hope you extra enjoy the third takeaway, the final takeaway in this episode, because you will hear uh, three Americans being absolutely mystified by something that is very common to you in your very special country. So I hope that's just straight up entertaining. Of course, this episode is for everybody, and I'm so excited for you to hear it. Please sit back or enjoy some poutine, because life hack thing for you, places outside Canada serve it. We have it down the street here in Durham, North Carolina. It's very good. And either way, here's this episode of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating with Caitlin Durante and Jamie Loftus. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Jamie, Caitlin, it's so good to see you, and, and thanks for you know connecting about tires. It's a nice thing. Uh, oh, gee whiz! Thanks my for passion us. finally. <laughs> <laughs> Say, what if I like came on the other down on the other side? I hate tires. <laughs> <laughs> we both have really strong opinions about tires. It's been a huge issue in our friendship. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Caitlin's wow. always trying to drive around with without tires. She's so anti-tire. <laughs> My car doesn't need tires. She she just has someone drag her Prius around. It's <laughs> very tired horses. Like this is not how it should work. <laughs> Yes. Well, I always lead by asking guests what's their relationship with the topic or opinion of it, and and either of you can go first. But how do you feel about tires? I know we're joking about it, but but uh, I'm I'm curious if if they mean anything to anybody. Well, um, I have a few different modes of transportation that do have tires on them: my car, my bicycle. Sure, yeah. Uh, that's about it. And um, otherwise, I'm pretty neutral on tires. I think it's good, including bicycles. That's a tire. Yeah. You know, my, and I, my bike tires go flat all the time. So uh, I actually, maybe I, I kind of have a bit of a, a contentious relationship with the tires, <laughs> which uh, which I was joking about earlier. But now I'm like, you know what? My, ti- my bike tires go flat way too often. What's the deal? <laughs> anyway, so yeah, maybe I'm a, I am a little anti-tire. Wow. <laughs> You just manifested that. Yeah. yeah. Who, who knew? So constituting a tire, that's like <laughs> that's like a, a wheel with air in it. Is that technically a tire? <laughs> I just want to make sure I'm not commenting on just no, wheels I... and sounding silly. Jamie, like, no joke, there's a lot of history of this one. That is a good question. I think we're oh, mainly okay. talking about like air-filled tires. Yeah. Like a thing full okay. of air around a wheel. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, then I, I, I'm a, still a fan. <laughs> that doesn't actually. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> now that I know what it is, 
I love it. I was like, I just wanted to make sure I was uh, coming down on the right side. No, uh, yeah, uh, uh, you know, Zambonis have tires. And as my vehicle of choice, uh, Zambonis have small but but mighty tires. I just had to triple check and make sure they're not just wheels, but they but they are tires proper. So the ice ain't getting smooth without tires. Oh, I didn't know that. It is. It, it almost feels like a, a an impossible device too. Like because a zamboni is going on ice, which you would think would be mm-hmm. way too slippery to do anything. But I, you would think the tires are what's making it happen. Like it's making it work. You have to imagine, yeah, that the treading. Wow. Okay. So now I'm actually more on board with tires than when we started. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially so for tires to like be able to work well on ice you usually need like studded tires or like some other mm-hmm. thing on the wheel to to like create that friction because like yeah, i, I lived in it is a studded tire right but like the studded tire is going to compromise the integrity of the ice like it's going to compromise the smoothness and the whole point of a zamboni is to smooth out the ice so like isn't that the mechanics? Okay. The mechanics of the Zamboni are so like they're over my head. But it, my understanding is the tires do do a little bit of like, uh, prop, but but the Zamboni is smoothing stuff from behind, so it's taking care of any anything oh. the tires just did are immediately going to be resolved by the snail trail of the Zamboni <laughs> that smooths out the ice. <laughs> That's that a very, it. but that that also could be a thousand percent wrong. It makes sense to me, though. I think that's right, but I, I never thought of tires Love as it. like step two of inventing the zamboni. Like step one, the thingy that smooths the ice, and then oh, how do we do it? Like how do we move on ice? There's a guy named Francois that can at the Staples Center who can explain the whole thing to you if you really. If, if you really know who to look for, there is someone who could tell you. <laughs> well, bless him. That's great. Uh, I think from here we can get into the first like segment of the show. Uh, our, on every episode, our first fascinating thing about the topic is a quick set of fascinating numbers and statistics. And today that's in a segment called, Despite all my rage, I am still just a stat on a page. Boo-doo-doo. <laughs> Got me good. <laughs> and that name was submitted by James Daniel Little. We're going to have a new name for this segment every week submitted by listeners like you. Make them as silly and wacky and bad as possible. Submit to at SAFPod on Twitter or to SIFPod at gmail.com. First one here. Uh, so it's numbers and stats. The first number is very simple. It's the number two because uh, that is the number of common English language spellings of the word tire. I don't know if you knew this about uh, the U.S. and Canada, we spell it T-I-R-E. Mm-hmm. And the whole rest of the English-speaking world, they use a Y. It's T-Y-R-E. Y. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. I, I, How do we feel about that? I mean, I guess that it's just we, America is too, we're, we just think that we're the center of everything, right? But, yeah. but sometimes I'm like, you know, I think we did have a point with using the I. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes uh yeah every once in a while we pull one out and i'm gonna say this is one of those times (laughs) yeah you know the metric system sure it makes more sense but we spelled tire correctly so counter yeah (laughs) next number here is 381 million 
So now we're going big. Wow. And 381 million is the approximate number of tires produced in a year by the world's largest tire manufacturer. But there's like a trick there kind of because the largest one technically is Lego. Wow. That is like like technically because they're making tires for and they're not full of air. This is like sort of a fun Internet fact. But uh-huh. but Lego is the leading tire manufacturer. Right. Okay. Like, That's okay. cute. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and that number's from 2011, so it might change a little bit. But uh, in that same year, Lego did 381 million, Bridgestone did 190 million, Michelin 184, Goodyear 181. Huh. So the real tire companies are all kind of in a cluster, but but uh, Lego is doing like double. Yeah, everyone's got to step it up, get on Lego's level. It's also another just massive and conceivable number here, 246 million. 246 million is the approximate number of waste tires generated per year in the United States. What do you mean waste tires? That's like a a tire got used and needs to get thrown out as is trash oh, now. Geez. Oh, well, that's one of my, that's, I guess that's a question I had when about tires is how like is it possible to responsibly recycle a tire and if so is it usually done i don't know i don't i don't really know about the recyclability of tires yeah what i could find because that's a great question i was wondering too and according to national geographic tires are made of a lot of different things all at once like there's natural rubber and synthetic rubber and some other fillers and chemicals and stuff too I don't know why I'm calling them fillers. Like sure. it's it's not organic food or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's Kendall Jenner's lips. Yeah, <laughs> it's a hot dog. It's the tires are the hot dogs of the automotive world. <laughs> USA, yeah. But uh, <laughs> basically, they're. It seems like they're pretty hard to recycle. Like like there's the extremely simple reuse it as a tire swing, but sometimes they get turned into playground equipment or like a bouncy surface or something. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, most of them end up in landfills or dumps. Like they, they kind of just get piled up and thrown away for the most part. Oh, I hate that. No good. Okay. There's There needs to be a tire reckoning. Yeah. I do remember when my elementary school playground got like kind of resurfaced because like kids were falling all the time and like skinning up their bodies with uh like the really hard pavement so they kind of resurfaced it with like they you know they shred up old tires and then like put make you know make a nice little yeah. mushy thing for children to fall around on oh that's brilliant yeah. my my grade school that's did that cool. too after i left yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was gravel where <laughs> so, yeah. we were just playing on gravel which was usually like painful and then then i came yeah. back for some kind of yeah. event like seventh or eighth grade and i was like what is, that is way too nice i'm pretty <laughs> jealous like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I feel like my school district was just like eat shit, it'll build character. <laughs> <laughs> yep. well, and there's also with like tire reusability, there's like the one angle of what do we turn these natural and synthetic rubber tires into? There's also the angle of like what if we make them out of a whole nother wild thing? Mm, and uh, right. I sent you guys a, a a picture of a really strange blue Michelin tire. That is the idea Mm -hmm. of the future. It's a 2019 concept they made where it is a strong, flexible, airless tire that's Mm -hmm. 3D printed, made from biologically sourced materials. Uh, And the internal structure is based on coral growth. Like it's supposed to be made that way. Cool. That's cool. So it would be way less likely to like go flat 
And yeah. are the did you say the like the materials they're made out of are they like sustainable? It's like biodegradable. Yeah, they say it would be biologically sourced and biodegradable stuff. Hmm. And then there's no air in it. Okay. And if you need, instead of getting new tires, a, a popular mechanic says, quote, drivers would pull into a docking station and have the treads reshaped according to road conditions. Okay. Wow. But it, it looks like Avatar stuff, like James Cameron's yeah. Avatar. It seems very futuristic to me. Yeah. I'll buy one. That's amazing. Yeah, it, it looks really cool. I like that the Michelin man is still chilling in, in the middle of the tire. <laughs> oh, the Michelin man. <laughs> King. That's also, it's so futuristic. It almost makes me think we'll just have flying cars by the time they would put that out. Like, you don't need them at that point, right? Like, forget it. Whoa. Yeah, I guess flying cars. Just jets and stuff. Yeah, that really, that's going to be a hit to the tire industry. That, Yeah. <laughs> It is, but I'm not to be describing tires to our children (laughs) back in my day. um, I I'm not nearly as optimistic anymore that we're going to have flying cars. I'll say it. I don't think it's going to happen. Sorry. I think even if it does happen, I don't trust people with them. No, that too. (laughs) But you need I feel like hopefully you would need to get your driver's license again. Uh, like everyone would do. Yeah. Right. But also they would be so expensive that only like the top 1% would be able to afford a flying car. And then by I the want time. Them flying around. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. That... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's also, as far as the, the other end of the sustainability spectrum, the next number here is 10 million. And that is the number of tires, 10 million tires that burned in the longest tire fire that I could find Googling around Wait, and finding stuff. What? 10 million? Wait, where did that happen? It happened in Wales, uh, in a, near the town of Knighton, which is near the border with England. Uh, so this was in the UK. And it started burning in 1989. And apparently it was in this deep valley, and the tires are very, very, very flammable. And so it burned for about 13 years. What? Uh, these 10 million tires. Oh, my God. It's just all a nightmare to think about. But uh, but that's the other end of imagine... sustainability. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's like the air pollution by a 13-year tire fire. Holy cow. I have yeah. so many questions. It's like, huh, do <laughs> people just like threw their old tire, 10 million of their old tires into just this pit? And then it... Yeah, was it being fed? <laughs> <laughs> It's just bringing more after it started. Like, well, what do you do? Like, well, it's already burning. <laughs> <They're>... <laughs> oh. Yeah, I think they Weird. like get piled up. I don't know if it's from regular people putting because I was I was trying to think reading this. Like, have I ever thrown out a tire? I feel like usually I get it changed and then mm-hmm. I let the garage deal with it. And I think the garages are all mm-hmm. like dumping these in depots, various places in the world because it's not oh. just a UK phenomenon. There are tire fires. Uh, in various places around the world. Yeah. Sure. Jeez. Mm. <laughs> well, well, that's terrifying. 10 million tires, 13 years. Don't like it. A 13 year terror. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's, that, that sounds like a, a bad metaphor, but it's just something that happened in Wales. Yeah. Poor Wales. <laughs> Poor Wales. No one ever talks about Wales. Poor one out for the Welsh tonight. What with their whole 13 year tire fire situation. <laughs> It's funny. I feel like right now, just at, the, at this 
point in the year, everyone is constantly saying like, oh, I'm going to pour one out for this one. I'm like, I think that just maybe we as a nation currently have a drinking problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we might be looking for excuses. Right. Right. I'm, I'm holding a beer or wine at all times this year. So I'm, I'm ready, ready to pour one out. I'm ready to pour it out for it kind of whatever happens. I'm just assuming something will happen. I mean, speaking of wasteful, though, I mean, geez, pouring out all your alcohol all the time. Oh, well, you, of course, you pour it into your mouth. You pour it into uh, your mouth. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> the ne- next number here, uh, actually, sorry, the last number here is 170 miles per hour. That's a speed. It's also or 273 kilometers per hour for the, the wiser countries. <laughs> but 170 miles per hour is the speed that a passenger jet airliner is going when its tires touch the ground. Mm, wow. So those tires, you know, are just on the plane and then suddenly they need to be going 170 miles per hour when the plane lands. That's a lot of pressure wow. on those tires. I never, I never thought about it until I found this thing. And I was like, oh, right. That's got to be one of the strongest tires in the world on a plane. Yeah. Because it's just always immediately called into action yeah. all the time. That is wild. Good for them. I was pour, like, shout out pour to one those out. tires. <laughs> for the tires. Pour one out. You know, it's like <laughs> noon. I'm like, yeah, it's time to pour one out for those tires. <laughs> We're all just, we're each just sitting in like ankle deep liquor right now. Like, well, what do you do? It's, it's been a lot. Uh, I had so many to pour out. What can I say? <laughs> the also, uh, with the plane tires, according to Wired.com, quote, in the first moments after a plane touches down, the tires are skidding, not rolling yet. The airplane essentially drags them down the runway until their rotational velocity matches up with the plane, and that's why they smoke upon landing. Whoa. And quote, Whoa. I've never noticed that they smoke, but I guess they do, because they're yeah, just hitting that. the ground so hard. But the them skidding, that's so rough, like, on it, that, like, ruins a tire, right? So, like, I wonder how often they need to be changed, because... Those tires must wear out very frequently, I'm guessing. Again, I'm not a scientist. Brag. <laughs> Brag. I, have, I don't know anything about science. <laughs> We're all just finding stuff out. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm sure it's often. Yeah, I, I didn't actually find that out, but... But it's got to be, yeah. I'll do some. I'll do some further. You know, Jamie, you've got your Zamboni guy at Staple, the Staples Center. Yeah. I'm going to go to LAX and find yeah, my own. Find I'm going to find a, an airplane. Oh, yeah, I mean, guy. it could be anyone. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll ask Francois some follow up questions about the tires and report back, please. <laughs> and if it sounds like he's French Canadian, he is. His name is Francois. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so he pr- he spells tire with an I if he's Canadian. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Good. When good. you, Jamie, when you found out the Zamboni operator was named Francois, did you blink at all, or were I, you like, of course, French Canadian? Right. I was. Sure. I yeah. I was like, oh, he's probably from Canada, and then he fully confirmed it very quickly because uh, <laughs> he just moved from Canada to L.A. Uh, like in January, so he was really thrilled with being in Los Angeles in January. So it was a, it was good. I wonder, I wonder how he's doing now. I wonder how the Zamboni, ma- what Zamboni culture is. It's, it's kind of a, it's a mysterious area. They're very private. <laughs> <laughs> 
hard to get straight answers. It's almost like, what's going on? The, do they speak in riddles, the Zamboni masters? They're just yeah, like... for, yes. First, you have to answer their riddles three, and if you can, if you can crack those, then uh, then there's a chance you can get info. Is it a thing where? You try to ask them stuff, and if they don't want to answer, they just slowly begin driving away, right? Like, and you're like, no, but they're just slowly. Yeah, they're just... <laughs> it's like, I know you can hear me. You're so close. <laughs> I love that we're doing the whole range of tires for vehicles, too, because it is not just a car thing, especially for this episode. And I want to get into there's three big takeaways for the episode. Let's get into takeaway number one. The first modern tires were created by a father helping his son ride a tricycle. Aww. Oh, that's so wholesome. That's the the like kind of the origin story. When was this? So this was uh, in the 1880s. Mm-hmm. And there's also kind of three people who, who more or less invented modern tires. And by modern tires, I mean an air-filled pneumatic tire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know at least some kind of rubber like rubber tire full of air that that's standard. Mm-hmm. But the first person helping with tires was a guy named Charles Goodyear, who you might recognize uh-huh. his name from a company. I was wondering. I was like, I wonder if this guy becomes too rich and becomes really scary later in his life. <laughs> <laughs> so the fun part is he doesn't because uh, oh, Charles good. Goodyear. Was well, it, it's funny. I, I shouldn't have raised expectations like that. So, Charles Goodyear, I'll explain. He was in Connecticut and he accidentally develops vulcanized rubber, which it turns out is when you take rubber, add sulfur, and heat it up that makes rubber stronger. That's what vulcanized rubber is. But okay. he, he so he was experimenting with tire fires long before tire fires were even a thing, <laughs> right, before tire fires sold out, you know, before they went corporate. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so loud. When tire fires went mainstream, I really lost interest. <laughs> and also, so he says, great, I have these incredibly strong rubber tires, but he hadn't figured out filling them with air yet. Mm. So he tried to start a business mm. selling like, just I'll wrap rubber around your wheel. And it wasn't very popular. He dies in 1860, over $200,000 in debt. Um, and then later... Other people start the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company in 1898 and just name it in his honor. So he made like no money on tires. He completely. So he didn't live long enough to become the villain. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) That's too bad. Yeah, but he helped. He did a step. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the next guy here is a Scottish engineer named Robert Thompson, who came up with pneumatic tires where you fill it with air. But they just didn't work very good. So they tested them on some carriages in London in 1847. They were like, eh, this is okay. And then just kind of dropped the technology. But he did patent He did uh, patent Aww. it. He was like a, a, the official inventor of air-filled tires. Okay. Yeah. That's funny that they were like, this is bad. <laughs> this is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, because like, on paper it works. But if you don't do it really good, really precisely... Uh, it's tough. It's like Caitlin's bicycle. You're like, ah, this is causing me more issues than I want. Mm-hmm. It's one of those car parts that I always take for granted. I'm realizing, like, I could not make that in my life, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I just let other people do it and then and then drive around. Don't think about it. <laughs> yeah, same. And the the third guy here, the the dad helping his son, it's a guy named John Boyd Dunlop, 
and people might know Dunlap as another tire company, like they, they make stuff. Mm -hmm. But he was a Scottish veterinarian. Um, he was born on a farm in rural Scotland and then trained to become a veterinarian and moved to Belfast in Northern Ireland. Not an engineer, like he was just doing veterinary medicine and like going around the country on very bumpy roads in completely like flat, solid wheeled carriages and having a really bumpy bad time. And then at the same time, I guess Belfast had cobbled streets, so it was very uneven. And his son was like uh -huh. trying to ride a tricycle on them and hated it because it's like bump, 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 bump everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. One source says his son was getting headaches from it. Uh, like it's, it's very unpleasant. And then he had the idea, what if an air-filled tire made some cushion and made that like a mm -hmm. experience that's not terrible? Wow. Yeah. Fathers and this, sons. This I it really I know Caitlin and I always say like it when in every movie the lesson is always like ultimately it's about a father and a son and so goes the story of tires. <laughs> That's how tires were partially invented. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is nice though. That's sweet. That is that is very wholesome. I like I like I don't know. I mean, there's so few stories related to industry at all that you're like, oh, that was a little bit heartwarming. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> I was thrilled when I learned that. I was like, great. It's not just like an iron-willed yeah. mean guy figuring something out. Like there was something <laughs> like an animal doctor wanted to help his boy. Like, okay, cool. Great. This is mm -hmm. better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I keep thinking about, okay, so we all remember Oregon Trail, oh, the yeah. iconic game. Yes. Does anyone remember Amazon Trail? No. I do. I had Amazon Trail 2 as a kid. Okay. I think I had 2 as well. I played one of the versions of Amazon Trail where you're basically in a small boat going down the Amazon and you have to go down these like different tributaries and like they give you little quests that you have to complete and stuff like that. And it was a really hard game that I never got. I made no progress ever. But one <laughs> of the little like quests you have to do is you have to go and find Ford. I forget his first name. But like a yeah, Ford Henry Motor Ford. Company, Henry Ford, oh, right? Uh, and like he's like, in Gerald Ford. <laughs> he he's on the Amazon. No, Henry Ford was like I guess because you're also time traveling in this game. Like sometimes you get transported back to like turn of the century, or sometimes you're like in whatever decade. But yeah, they would like transport you to like the turn, like turn of the like. Well, I guess it would be 20th century. I don't remember how centuries work. It's like early 1900s and Henry Ford is in South America exploiting, you know, the people there and like trying to figure out how to like make rubber and like how because there's all these rubber trees down there and all this stuff. And I'm just like, I didn't <laughs> I completely forgot about that until we started talking about tires today. But I'm just like, oh, right. Like. Henry Ford was probably just like ruining like cuz I think he also had the, these like huge rubber plantations yeah. in right. these various South American countries and communities and was just like probably devastating the the land and the people and the communities so so I anyway I just wanted to bring that up <laughs> I, so I'm I'm very excited about that um it's I'm going to jump a hair ahead in the notes Takeaway number two, Henry Ford tried to build a bizarre personal rubber kingdom 
in Brazil. <laughs> I want to talk about it today. I love that. Oh. That's a whole chunk of the show. Okay. Yeah, let's let's get into it. Great. Uh, <laughs> and I also, there's like a few, my main source is not Amazon Trail, but that was where I first heard about it, was that weird side mission in Amazon Trail. I was going to say, that's a- <laughs> That's that's fascinating that Amazon Trail like basically like left all the clues you needed to to learn about this <laughs> devastating uh, part of history. So wait, what 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 happened in Brazil? Yeah, so that's all and and for people who don't know that that computer game is in the modern day but occasionally you do this like weird almost like the crew of Star Trek like once in a while we time travel haha. Like you you time travel <laughs> to the 1920s and suddenly it's Henry Ford times and you talk to him. Yeah. But uh but yeah, there was a thing called Fordlandia and this was Henry Ford setting up basically a small private country in the Brazilian part of the Amazon rainforest. Uh, he purchased a piece That's of land about the size of bad. Connecticut Whoa. and took it over. What? That yeah. sounds bad. I hate everything about it. <laughs> and I'm sure we haven't even heard the worst of it yet. Yeah. It is like I'm going to say this is a little bit more positive than you might think. Okay. Even though okay. it's it doesn't go well. And our sources here are, uh, besides this, I'm still amazed we both play this computer game. This is great. <laughs> uh, but but I the other sources here are a 99% Invisible episode that uh, mostly cites an NYU historian named Greg Grandin, uh, and then also a BBC TV show called Brazil with Michael Palin, where the Monty Python oh. member Michael Palin visits this thing. He goes and checks Very it out. Very wholesome. Well, it's great. Another yeah. wholesome show, yeah. <laughs> so in 1927, Henry Ford is, uh, if the sources are right, the richest person in the world. Mm. He started the Ford Motor Company in 1903 as a corporation, and he sold 15 million Model Ts by that year, and he was incredibly wealthy. The thing was, mm. he had vertically integrated basically every part of making Model Ts except for the tires. Because mm. it's just, there was just nowhere in the US he could grow rubber. Uh, there was also apparently a rubber grower cartel forming around the world where they were like jacking up the prices and stuff. Whoa. And so he said, I'm going to buy a chunk of Brazil, build a company town, grow my own rubber, and ship it to Michigan for myself. Because I'm. So he a, wanted like his own celebration Florida kind of thing? <laughs> yes. Like exactly like, that. Okay. Yeah. Yikes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so you meet him in this game because that's weird. Mm-hmm. That's a really strange thing to, to be going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Congrats to both of you for playing this game. <laughs> it sounds life changing. There was another game that I think was called like uh, Inca Trail or something. And you were. Oh, I didn't play Inca Trail. Uh, maybe I'm getting the name wrong. Um, but it was. Yeah. They're all like in the same. They were all made by the same company, but uh, they were just like, let's let's capitalize on the popularity of Oregon Trail. And then they made these like very difficult games that um, were impossible to win and were frustrating. And I played them all and, again, never made any progress. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, yeah. I also never won Amazon Trail, but was excited I found the weird side missions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't win it. Yeah. I didn't know there was like an expanded trail universe. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, where's the where's the um the cinematic adaptation of all this? Why didn't they ever make Oregon Trail into a movie? Oh, that would be bad. <laughs> don't, Mike, Michael Bay, if you're listening, please don't do this. 
<laughs> Michael, I'll message you later. But again, do not do this. We, we are all agreed. <laughs> Thank you for donating, but really don't do it. <laughs> yeah, and the Ford, the thing with Henry Ford is, as far as I can tell, he was for positive and self-serving reasons, like pretty interested in the welfare of workers. Like he he got famous for doing what was called like $5 a day workers in Michigan, where like $5 was a lot of money at the time. And it was like, we'll pay them so well, they can buy the cars and that'll be good. Uh, but it's also, you know, for himself too. And so his goal was, I'm going to not just build a rubber tree like plantation. I'm going to pay my workers really well. So that's good. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to uh, turn them into Midwesterners as much as I can, which is worse. That's kind of a yeah, creepy that's... thing. But he thought it was nice. Yeah. He was like, Midwestern Americans are the best people. So I'll just uh, cultivate those values in these Brazilians who don't necessarily want that. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the trouble. That's, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> also, I think the game, sorry, is called Maya Quest. I think that's the game I was thinking oh, of. Okay. Yeah. It's a spinoff of Oregon oh. Trail. Okay. Yes. So there there you have it. Now we can stop talking about the horrible video games I played no, as a I, child. <laughs> I don't know about you though, Caleb, but like for me with old computer games, like when someone even says the name of it, like my my whole brain lights up. I'm like they also spent 100 hours on this <laughs> this goofy game that I did. Great. <laughs> you also ruined your life for a few months like me. <laughs> yes. Did anyone uh did anyone play <laughs> Barbie detective for the PC. I'm afraid not. That's about where I can uh, plug him. It was good. You solved a mystery at a carnival. Oh, I didn't know Barbie yeah. ever was a detective. She was a really yeah. uh, she she was the, she was not a great detective, mm. but uh, she was a detective. I see. It was the clown. The clown did the it. The clown did it. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just anti-clown. Now I'm not. A, now I'm against it. I'm, I yeah. I yeah. agree. I agree. (laughs) So Henry Ford going wrong specifically here. When Jamie, when you said Celebration Florida, I feel like that's like almost exactly what's going on because this is for business, but also it's for what the uh, crazy industrialist founder thinks is important and then also his own specific values and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so they find a place that's a day and a half river trip into the interior of Brazil they ship American managers there and American supplies, but then hire local Brazilians to be the workers. Mm. And and almost immediately, the first problem is the rainforest, because the workers are attacked by ants, hornets, scorpions, and pit vipers as they try to clear oh. stuff. Because they're trying to cut down like a bunch of the rainforest to build this. Like it's right. the, the nature reacts, you know? Like <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, That's a classic nature. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> and then the the other issue with the rainforest is that Henry Ford says, I'm Henry Ford, so everybody works eight-hour shifts, and there's time clocks, and it's like a nine-to-five. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. According to 99PI, quote, people in Brazil were used to working in the early morning, then taking a break during the hottest parts of the day, and later coming back to work, end quote. Which makes total sense, but the Ford people took it as these guys are lazy, and I am also not great on racial things, sure. and so then there was a whole, you know, to do between okay. the American so managers. And Henry the Ford. Okay. Yeah. So instead of listening to people, he was like, "What if I just was?" But that's not what we do in the Midwest. Also, I'm racist. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. 
And so then from there, he Mm. builds a company town and all the houses look like little Midwestern American houses. And there's like little town squares with playground. And it looks like, uh, according to Greg Grandin, quote, when you go to Fortlandia, there's an uncanniness to it, a familiarity. It seems very recognizable, end quote. But in like a strange Mm. way. Yeah, surprising. He also Mm. built a square dancing hall because Henry Ford met his wife square dancing. And then no one wanted to square dance because why? That's like... Even in the 20s, that's old. (laughs) The amount of weird projection that he's doing here to be like, I can't sleep at night unless everything is the Midwest. Like, (laughs) it's like, well, grow up. Like, you're not in the Midwest. Get a grip. Yeah, what a baby. (sighs) I know, truly. Like, he's just creating this, like, little swaddle, like blanket fort for himself it's like no you you have to like learn about and respect the culture you're coming into not just build your house from back home in brazil what is wrong with you got his ass got him and again this is a piece of land the size of connecticut like he i don't i don't know that he cut down every tree but he's like i'm just gonna turn that into rubber growing and a town in michigan that's what it's gonna be which is not a a conventional thing to do (laughs) because <laughs> like connecticut is not a huge state relatively speaking in like by other u.s yeah. states standards but it's still a huge mm-hmm. area of yeah. land like that is so much <laughs> land jeez yeah the more we talk about it the more i'm just like what? hold on it's like not even Ce- celebration florida is like a town yeah, this a town. A this, yeah, right. This is a whole state's <laughs> worth of nonsense happening. Okay, how did how does it how does it end? How does it go? Yeah. So the other the other Henry Ford projection thing is he goes past Midwest stuff to just personal Henry Ford stuff and implements total alcohol prohibition because he did not drink, and he also implements a vegetarian diet oh, because geez. he's a vegetarian, and so. Okay. Apparently, the employees immediately revolted. They also set up a bar and brothel on an island nearby, so they could just go there and do stuff. Uh, not you know for for what that is, it's what they wanted. And uh, yeah, what a, what a how weird do you, loser! <laughs> what a loser indeed. How do you justify being a vegetarian and then also be like, I'm going to destroy? so much of the amazon rainforest right, like, so i can make a rubber offset. plantation this is how i'm gonna offset my carbon footprint <laughs> is being a vegetarian <laughs> okay <laughs> that's so Wild. Oh, man yeah no one should have power at any time this is just like weirdo stuff yeah yeah right it's like it's <laughs> so he's just giving so many orders like even if like, not drinking is cool, you know, but he's just ordering everyone to do it. Like, why, man? I mean, pour one out for not drinking. Pour, you know? yeah, it's, <laughs> pour one out. <laughs> I just, like, any time someone in power, like, their fixation is, like, everyone has to be exactly like me. It is so just, even if you did have all the power in the world and, like, you're not techni- technically hurting anybody by saying we all need to be vegetarian now besides removing your rights, of course, but like, 
but like i just i can't imagine could would would any of us want to be around a connecticut's worth of people exactly like ourselves like that sounds like a nightmare (laughs) a true nightmare yes (laughs) horrible i can't i i hate myself i'm like i don't want to even be around myself we'd all just be quietly like this guy again man it would not good (laughs) Yeah. yeah but also jamie you're great and i want to be around you Thanks. I'm like, I feel like I, uh, I really uh, took it to a dark place at the end. And I'm sorry. <laughs> Self, self-loathing, I think, is an important emotion. It, it, this is Henry it's Ford's true. fault. All right. Let's not tear each other apart. I would be in it. I would, be in a, I would stay in a Connecticut full of Caitlin's or Alex's. Aw, thank oh, hey. you. Thank I you. wouldn't. I'll be somewhere else. <laughs> but... <laughs> all right off of that we're going to a short break followed by the big takeaways see you in a sec back for another game you know it what's going on just one more week till max fun drive (laughs) hard to believe it's been a heck of a year since the last one we're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! It's hard to explain what happens on Jordan Jesse Go. So, I had my kids do it. Saying swear words. Saying swear words. Yeah, um, bad jokes. Bad jokes? Bad jokes. Maybe it's like you tell people that you're going to interview them, and then you just stay there like, like really quiet. And try and creep them out. <laughs> it's just really boring. Because of Jordan, right? Not me. Because of both of you. Oh. Subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go, a comedy show for grown-ups. Oh, also, and so uh, this thing collapses. So that's exciting. Mm. The final straw with the employees was they put in a vegetarian cafeteria instead of like restaurant service. You had to scoop your own food because that's Henry Ford efficiency stuff. Uh, There was a full-on riot. Employees destroyed equipment, the time clocks, and a lot of the town. Uh, The American managers fled by boat back up the river, and the Brazilian military had to come in to restore order. Wow. So that that was toward the end of this situation. And the catalyst for that was the implementing of the vegetarian cafeteria? That was like the thing that set everything off? Yeah. (laughs) Well, it sounds like, I mean, that must have been, been like... building, you know, but... Yeah, like the yeah. straw that, like, right. broke everyone's back. Because it's like, oh, you already have to live in Michigan for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't drink. You have to go square dancing, which everyone hates. Like, yeah. your boss is, like, needs to, like, walk around in a little, like... He's just creating a weird diaper around this whole world <laughs> for himself. <laughs> I would riot as well. Yeah. And so there's one other level to it being messed up, which is that Henry Ford never, ever visited this thing. 
What? He just told people what to do from Michigan the whole time. He never went to this went to Brazil in his life. Yeah. He was never there even? Why do this? Why do this? (laughs) I thought he was trying to make himself feel more at home, but he wasn't even there. Yeah. That's Yeah, they started it nineteen twenty seven or at least started building it, and they didn't fully give up and abandon it and sell the land back until nineteen forty five. So there's eighteen years of just people living how he wants without him ever even seeing it. Like he's just in Michigan the entire time. That, oh, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they should. Yeah, they. Uh, the riot uh, makes total sense. Yeah, and it's also because he was also offering the legitimately offering these employees. There was a hospital in the company town. There was free healthcare there for employees. There was also like free education for their children, but it was like just hard-headed and poorly run enough that that wasn't enough like they were still like let's burn this down i don't want to live like henry ford anymore right (laughs) well that's good that's good that they had free health i mean that's amazing i just oh god yeah it still feels so culty yeah like yeah. yeah you're like stepping out of time and space to to work for someone who doesn't even want to be there. Well, I'm glad it's over. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe, I mean, I guess I can believe that I've never heard about this before, but that's like, that's fascinating. The things people try to get away with is just weird. You, yeah, right. You would just think no one would have the ambition to do this bizarre uh, world reshaping activity, but he did. Right. I'm really glad the whole world isn't Michigan. No offense to Michigan. It's great, but like it should probably just like be just Michigan and then also and other then places too. Yeah. <laughs> That's my hot take. <laughs> hey, I agree. Well, I think and we can get into the final takeaway of the show. It's a relatively quick one. Takeaway number three. A chain of tire stores in Canada created a secret separate Canadian currency. What? Uh, and this one's relatively short because like we have Canadian listeners who I'm who I think will be like, yeah, of course, Canadian tire money, sure. Tire but coin. there's a chain called Canadian Tire that made separate money for the country. What was it called? It's a it's weird. It's a store called Canadian Tire. There's about five hundred locations and they have a system of it's technically like cash back coupons. But they're printed to look sort of like money with the mascot of the the company on it instead of a president or prime minister or something. Mm. This like script from this company is so widespread and so long running that can a lot of Canadians kind of save it like stockpiled weird money to buy stuff from this store. Whoa. So you could only use this currency at this store? Yeah. Yeah, it's also okay. I'm I'm a little overdoing it calling it currency, but like, but this store, uh, and there's not quite an American equivalent. They sell automotive stuff, including tires, but they also sell hardware, sports gear, camping gear, leisure things, and housewares. So like, if you okay. have money for that, so that's it, actually useful. So it's like if Dick's Sporting Goods had like their own money that you <laughs> could use. Yeah, it's like if Dick's Sporting Goods was also Jiffy Lube. And had their own <laughs> secret currency that you just get. It just doesn't sound like enough to justify having your own money. <laughs> <laughs> That's not enough things. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I should I should it's like 
Dick Spring is Jiffy Lube and uh, maybe like a Pier 1 Imports or something. They do like a little bit of that stuff too. So like okay. you can buy enough stuff that it's like, I don't want to throw these coupons out. It's like kind of money. Mm-hmm. And so then Canadians just stock them up in their homes uh, kind of through inertia. Okay. <laughs> is it still used to this day? Sorry, you might have already said this. Or is it? Is this not a thing anymore? How does it work? Yeah, they they started it in the 1950s, and they mm. just kind of give it to you when you shop. You don't have to sign up for a program or anything. Okay. Um, and they switched to like a card version in 2018, but they still take the paper money. They'll still accept it. Okay, so it is still being used. <laughs> yeah, there's amazing. There's probably Canadian listeners who have some in their house, if not their wallet, like right now. Yeah. In, in, in case <laughs> goes south. They can, <laughs> they'll have a stockpile. That's really, I yeah, I had no idea. I feel like there's like, I guess it sounds like the most extreme version of a points program kind of thing. Is that yeah off? Okay. Yeah the uh, the electronic hmm. version now they 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 do it just like points. Yeah, it's kind of like grocery store points, okay. but it's from this place. Yeah. Good for them. Po- let's pour one out for the the fake tire money (laughs) yeah in terms of how easy or hard it is to get um the toronto star says that talk to a company spokesperson from this chain canadian tire and they say that a customer would have to spend a hundred canadian dollars to get 40 cents of canadian tire money barring any promotions or bonuses so it's Mm. a little bit wow but it's not a lot yeah yeah well, and we'll have links for people from uh, the CBC and McLean's and a couple other Canadian sources because we we all are not Canadian. We're just we're just taking this for what it is. But mm-hmm. there are fun stories of people saving like huge physical stacks of this money to buy big stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, according to the Toronto Star, there was a man named Brian McPherson in Edmonton, Alberta, who bought a riding lawnmower worth one thousand and fifty three Canadian dollars. <gasps> with just huge saved up stacks of Canadian tire money. He just walked in and bought a riding lawnmower. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I figured out what the equivalent yeah. is. Ooh, hit it. You know when you go to like Chuck E. Cheese or like oh, Dave yeah. and Buster's okay. and you're like at an arcade and you get all the tickets for all the games you play and then you can cash in the tickets for like most like you'll probably only ever earn enough to like buy a little bit of candy or like maybe a little like bracelet or some like toy that's going to break in two days but then they also sell like playstations but you have to accumulate like yeah tens of thousands of and like a few people take it really seriously but like 99 yeah. percent of people participating are not gonna put in the time and <laughs> yeah. effort well because you can just the money you would spend on arcade games is probably more money than what it would cost to actually buy like a video game console. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, amazing. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. I love this. I love this for Canada. I, and mm-hmm. Kayla, I feel like that's dead on two ways. Cause, cause one is that like with the video games, you have to spend a bunch of money, but this you're just shopping over time. And if it's stuff you would buy anyway, you can just rack up the right. coupons, you know? Right. And then the other way is this guy, mm-hmm. Brian McPherson, apparently the story says, quote, at age 14, he received his first 10 cents in Canadian tire money when he got a hockey stick. And then he saw the riding lawnmower on the way out of the store and imagined the fun of buying that. <gasps> oh, my God. So it's like you see the big prize and you're like, I'm going to get that 
huge uh, stuffed thing of of the Chuck E. Cheese mascot or whatever. I'm going to do it. Jamie would know better than me what the prizes are, but yeah. I love that long. I, just, I love that long con. That's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's yeah. a lifelong dream for this guy. Wow. Mm-hmm. So he he came back at age 29, wow. bought it with a huge sack of Canadian Tire money, and said, when he was interviewed, he said, "quote It was just one of those things that you set out to do, and you tell everyone how you're going to do it." End quote. <laughs> wow. A man with a brain to the point. <laughs> I like it. I think that that, that could be uh, applied to a lot of things. Really doing anything, you can apply that exact plan. And... <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every form of human achievement. It's pretty vague, yeah. actually. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a, oh that's almost as wholesome as the dad you know putting tires on his son's tricycle yeah that that's a yeah. that's nice <laughs> yeah there's also the other big purchase here is somebody bought a full-sized canoe worth 777 dollars canadian wow and i guess mm-hmm. the cashier uh, they interviewed the cashier about it at the store like when he brought apparently a literal briefcase of canadian tire money and she learned that some people donated some of it. It was like a social media campaign. And the cashier said, quote, that is awesome. He must be a wonderful man. I need friends like that. End quote. You know, it's just, <gasps> just nice. Mm-hmm. It's just cool. Oh, I thought you were going to say like, and now they're so married or something. Oh, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> and the baby is born in February. <laughs> there's also, there's uh, like, a couple other just sweet stories of this weird money outside the store. In 2011, a Toronto musician named Corinne Raymond uh, put out a call online for Canadians to donate their unwanted Canadian tire money toward paying for his next album because there's a recording studio in Toronto called Rogue Studios that will take Canadian tire money to book time. Like they'll take it as a currency. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, cool. And so he raised $6,000 Canadian in Canadian Tire Money and recorded a 20-song album, put it out. Just knocked Aww. it out. Yeah. Amazing. Good for them. Because I guess everybody has this stuff and they don't quite know what to do with it. Because it's money, but it's not like money, money, you know? So you right. just pile it up. Right. And the last one here is, in 2007, there was a four-month fundraising campaign in Vancouver that sought Canadian Tire Money, brought in $1,100 Canadian uh, and then the store matched that donation because people bought 60 sleeping bags, 60 packets of socks, and 20 thermal blankets for a shelter, like a, a unhoused people shelter in town in Vancouver. Just yes. cool. That's amazing. That yeah. Canadian tire money. Wow. A little, Currency of the people. little bit goes a long way, you know? Yeah. <laughs> if any country would have like secret friendly money, it's Canada. That's great. Like we have yeah. the regular kind, but like <laughs> come on back for the, in the back room we have the. <laughs> the secret money where we do good deeds. That is the main episode for this week. My thanks to Caitlin Durante and Jamie Loftus for, among other things, inspiring me to go to Zamboni.com, which is the website for the Zamboni Company. That's a trademark. Not all ice resurfacers are named that. That's a thing I've learned from Jamie Loftus. Anyway, thanks to their inspiration, I've learned a new number for the show. 400 is the number of studs 
on a full set of Zamboni tires. Again, Zamboni is a brand name. Other ice resurfacers might be different. But according to Zamboni.com, quote, each tire on the Zamboni machine is hand studded with around 400 tungsten carbide studs used for each machine's full set of tires, end quote. So there's a bunch of really strong metal studs. That's how they grip the ice. Also, I said that's the main episode, uh, back before that Zamboni fact. That was the main episode, and there is more secretly incredibly fascinating stuff available to you right now. If you support this show on Patreon.com, like so many Canadians do, patrons get a bonus show every week where we explore one obviously incredibly fascinating story related to the main episode. This week's bonus topic is Michelin Man lore because it is so much stranger than you realized. Like the canon and the background and everything about that Michelin Man character that you know about. The, the stuff behind that is so much stranger than you realize. Visit sifpod.fun to hear that bonus show, to hear more than a dozen other bonus shows that are just there waiting for you, and to back this entire podcast operation to make it possible. And thank you for exploring tires with us. Here is one more run through the big takeaways. Takeaway number one, the first modern tires were created by a father helping his son ride a tricycle. Takeaway number two, as documented by Amazon Trail 2, the game, Henry Ford tried to build his own personal rubber kingdom by buying a giant chunk of Brazil. And takeaway number three, a chain of tire stores in Canada created a secret separate Canadian currency, and maybe not that much of a secret to you if you are Canadian. Those are the takeaways. Also, please follow my guests. Caitlin Durante and Jamie Loftus host the Bechdel cast on iHeartRadio every week. One funny thing with that, too, I, after we taped this, I checked out their new episode about Flubber, the, the 90s movie, and, and I had forgotten that that movie really centers on the Ford Motor Company a whole lot. So, so everything is Ford. It's all coming together. We're also linking Caitlin's amazing miniseries entitled Sludge, an American Healthcare Story, Jamie's amazing miniseries about the folks in Mensa, and Jamie's upcoming miniseries on the legacy of Lolita in culture. And again, these are just two phenomenal guests. I feel like pitching them on a podcast about tires was not the greatest pitch, and they were nice enough to do it anyway, so I'm really grateful to them. Many, many research sources this week. Here are some key ones. An online museum exhibit about Robert Thompson and John Boyd Dunlop, both patenting the pneumatic tire, that's all from the National Museum of Scotland. An amazing episode of 99% Invisible called Fordlandia, all about Henry Ford's bizarre Brazilian adventure. And then we've got a bunch of articles, mainly from CBC News and from McLean's, about the history and fun purchases done with Canadian tire money. Find those and more sources in this episode's links at sifpod.fun. And beyond all that, our theme music is Unbroken Unshaven by the Budos Band. Our show logo is by artist Burton Durand. Special thanks to Chris Souza for audio mastering on this episode. Extra, extra special thanks go to our patrons. I hope you love this week's bonus show. I'm also so excited for all of you who are part of the membership drive, Canadian, American, and many other countries, uh, to receive your sticker and card in the mail. I hope it gets to you by the end of November. If it's way past that, you still haven't gotten it, just let me know. But it's it's been really nice uh, kind of honoring your support of the show by doing that and, and just getting to learn about the world. Anyway, thank you for that, and thank you to all our listeners. I am thrilled to say we will be back next week with more Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. So how about that 
Talk to you then.